Max said something along the lines of like the internet is ruled by cats, so we should put cats on the blockchain. Uh, and it was kind of a silence for a while. Like, well, what did that even mean? And we kind of that was kind of the starting point of like developing CryptoKitties. I know if I should give like a context, a little bit of what CryptoKitty is. Um, so yeah, it's the the first. I mean, it's always a little bit like polemic if you say the first on anything on Web three, but the first NFT project, the first um, to really brought to life uh, NFTs. Like there was, as I mentioned, there wasn't the world NFT before CryptoKitties. It really, with the creation of this standard and with the popularity of CryptoKitties, that's what kind of brought to life uh, NFTs. Hello and welcome to the People of Web3 podcast, where we talk to creators, builders, and thought leaders in the Web3 space. We explore and unpack ideas, values, and strategies that hopefully can help all of us navigate this Web3 movement with a bit more purpose and clarity. If this sounds interesting to you, then feel free to subscribe. But other than that, please enjoy the episode. Welcome back to the People of Web3 podcast. I'm your host, Frank, and with me, the co-host, Blaine. And today we have a very special guest, Gile, whom I've met in Vancouver a couple months ago um, during NFT BC. Hello, Gile. How are you doing? Uh, pretty good. Excited to chat with you guys. Do a recap awesome. of a little bit of the stuff we chat during NFTPC. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So just a quick intro for those of you who um, don't know. Gile is the artist, creative director, and co-creator of Crypto Kitties. And of course, within uh, these times after the launch, um, he has done a lot more. And we're going to dive into that a little bit because... Uh, yeah, some very interesting art projects you're also doing. So maybe a quick intro from you, Gile, um, tell people a bit about what you do um, and what you're working on now. Yeah, so in the past few years, I kind of divide my time in two major things. Uh, still doing like consulting and like career direction project. Um, uh, I mean, service for different projects in Web3. Um, and part of my time, I... I'm exploring some ways to get closer to science, doing some art project related to blockchain and science. And yeah, trying to find the balance between those two um, two type of works. Cool, cool. So I definitely want to jump into like the art part later. Um, but for now, because um, I know some people have uh, heard of, I think everyone have heard of CryptoKitties. It's one of the OG collections, generative art, um, just uh, I think everybody should know a bit more. And I would like to have you share a bit of, you know, insights on how you guys started it, um, why you guys started it, and how's that going? Yeah, uh, I love tell telling that story. Uh, it was a really uh, good time for me, I think, like personally and professionally. But the way the way it goes is uh, just to give some context. Um, before working on CryptoKitties and, and any blockchain related project, uh, I was working at this uh, company called Axon Zen, which was a startup here based in Vancouver. And the company mantra was a startup that builds a startup. So the idea was to look at different emerging technologies and see what kind of project or idea can we build around those technologies? So during my two years there, 
we did a little bit of everything. Um, we did some AR and VR projects. We did iOS games. Uh, I love mentioning that, but we did a dating app. Uh, they mm -hmm. can only use emojis to communicate with your matches. I don't know if I chat that with you guys. Uh, but yeah, we did a bunch of different like, experimental projects, usually like a three-month timeline to develop kind of an MVP of an idea, put it out in the world and see how, how it goes, how, how we react. And on that like pacing of doing like different experimental projects, um, that was 2017, I think. In the tech director of the company, it's called Dieter, and he was already super interesting blockchain. Um, and he was looking at the Ethereum network and, and really excited about the possibilities of having like smart contracts and, and stuff built on top of Ethereum. But the thing that he noticed is that the only protocol was like a fungible token protocol. And he was analyzing that most of the stuff that we own on our uh, life is most of them are, or the majority of it are actually non-fungible. Um, and he decided to to write this new protocol called ERC721. That's the standard for the NFT. So he's the actual NFT. Oh, papa. really? <laughs> so, this yeah. was the, the one of your team members, the the tech lead. Yeah. Um, ah, that's doing... interesting fact. That's cool. Yeah. So he he approached. I remember he approached the company. He's like, "Hey, I'm." I'm doing this thing we should uh, do an experiment with this technology and there is um it, go, it the story goes pretty much like that where there is this uh, creative director at the time called mac this really creative uh, amazing person and <laughs> we were like trying to figure out what what to do and what, what kind of project we could build around this uh erc721 we didn't call it an nft at the time i guess we have this word at the time and uh, Max said something along the lines of like the internet is ruled by cats, so we should put cats on the blockchain. Uh, <laughs> and it was kind of a silence for a while. Like, well, what did that even mean? And we kind of that was kind of the starting point of like developing CryptoKitties. Um, and I don't know if I should give like a context a little bit of what CryptoKitty is. Mm. Um, yeah, that'd be good. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's the the first. Um, I mean, it's always a little bit like uh, polemic, if you say the first on anything on WebTree, but the first NFT project, the first um, to really brought to life uh, NFTs. Like there was, as I mentioned, there wasn't the world NFT before CryptoKitties. It really, with the creation of this standard and with the popularity of CryptoKitties, that's what kind of brought to life uh, NFTs. And Obviously, there was other projects before that really inspired CryptoKitties. They're like doing ways of making non-fungible assets like CryptoPunks and all the way back to like Kevin McCoy doing art-related blockchain experiments on that regard. Um, but the project that we developed for those who are not familiar is, um, I should call them in different ways. I like to call it like an interactive experience, like a, a generative art project. Or, or simply a digital game, a collectible experience. Um, so for those who are not familiar, CryptoKitties is this, this game that you collect different digital cats uh, and each cat has their own unique DNA. And obviously each cat is a, is a token, is an NFT. 
and the inter interactivity of the of the project that you can breed the cats together so you can create a new offspring and create some interesting dynamics and 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 mechanics within this ecosystem of like people that became breeders people that became um that breed the really nice cats and then put them in the market for people to breed with their cats pretty much becoming like a pimp <laughs> on, the, on the game of like putting the cats on the streets and like people like uh, paid to, to to breed with their cats um and one of the mechanics of the game was really like exploration kind of like a sandbox mechanic of like just trying to create the cat that you want because um like in real life when you meet two cats some characteristics will come from the mother some will come from the father and and we also added this idea of mutations or meowtations i used to call in the game um oh. that i'll introduce a new trait a new maybe a new eye a new color a new fur pattern and and that kind of the, the very interesting stuff that people had a lot of fun doing it we on the game we call we had this uh cats called fancy cats that you can think as like the golden card of collectible experience um mm -hmm. where we will give some kind of a riddle or like a puzzle for the community to try to figure out what cats they need to breed, what genes they need to mix. And when they do the right mixing, they will get, instead of a, uh, a normal cat, the generative R cat, they will get this special cat that was actually drawn by hand each each edition or each uh, variation of it. Um, and it was a really fun, especially for me to just create those different cats because, I mean, it would just go wild. We'll like get some, sometimes we get some like different um, events or like, things that we wanted to talk about and we just do like a fancy cat related to women's day or a fancy cat um related to science or or just go nuts and just like do a fancy cat like half pizza half cat or <laughs> we did one for canada like a half poutine and half cat cat nice. um how many fancy cats are there in total oh that's that's a good question um i guess that we probably have like about Ooh, I really don't want to say the wrong number, but I guess like close to a hundred at this point. Okay, uh, so not too many. Yeah, it's still very rare. Yeah, very rare. Com like considering yeah. how many of these crypto kitties out there, there are. How many are there out there right now? <laughs> uh, a little bit over two million. Yeah. Yeah. Jeez. Yeah. So a hundred out but of on the fancy cat. So we have like different. Um, uh, variations but depending on the fancy cat they might have like a breeding cap so there are some fancy cats that are still open to breed you can still get one if you breed um so you have like thousands and thousands of uh, possibilities to to breed that cat but some they're closed already so there's some that have only like 30 uh, of that mm. fancy cat interesting i'd love to pick your brain about obviously considering this is like a the pioneering one of the pioneering uh you know nft projects when you guys were putting this together, what were your expectations once you released it? Did you have any expectations of of what you thought would happen, and what were some of the surprises once things played out? Well, I think I'll I'll say for myself, but the general like vibe that I remember when we were building the project was trading very similar to the other experiments that we did, and for many many experiments that we did before CryptoKitties. You know, most of them they they fail. Uh, so we're kind of used to the idea that like it might fail, but you know we learn stuff from it and we learn um, through developing this. 
Um, so I think it was, um, I mean, this whole area is very unpredictable and very uh, surprising uh, yeah. when people try to pretend they know what's going on. Like no one really knows what's going on. Even no now, one, no like yeah. six years on, it's, it's still surprising and still <laughs> no one really knows what's going on. Yeah, I remember the the big thing that was happening at the time was uh, that was a little bit before the the ICOs, and that was a lot of like different opinions. There was a lot of like weird stuff happening during that time, which I didn't follow directly because I actually learned about blockchain through the developing of CryptoKitties. Um, but I, I would say the expectation were like, oh, we were like pretty happy while we were building, um, and I think we did like. I think it, slowly we noticed that it was like there was something there. Um, I think the first thing was we did a internal play test and people barely worked that day because they were actually like in, in playing the game and bringing the cats. I think that was one indication of like, even like aside from, you know, the technology, the NFTs, they were just, it was just fun to breed the cats and see what you're going to get. Um, and then I think was... If I'm not mistaken, I think it was October or September of 2017. Uh, the team went to eat Waterloo, this hackathon in Canada. It was like the, the biggest, yeah, the Ethereum hackathons. And I think at th after that event, we really felt like, okay, it, people actually really enjoy playing the game because like a lot of people doing the hackathon was, were, they were really interesting and they're just like, use a lot of their time instead of like hacking they ended up just like playing crypto <laughs> yeah. uh yeah um and at that time it was still like you know it wasn't the ui wasn't really there just part of the traits were, were done um so yeah i think it was those two was like some points i was like oh there's like some fun into the project we we're building but I, I would say like no one really expected to to become what actually became at the end. Like how big was the boom after we launched? Hmm. Yeah. And I think, yeah. Sorry, I butted in there. I just had a quick one when you were talking about the, the developers getting preoccupied with the breeding of cats. It kind of brings up a kind of an interesting idea in this space where like if you're creating an NFT, like a our collection crypto kitties or or just art in general on the blockchain it's without a, if you're interested in tech or not it intersects technology and so if there's some sort of a boom uh, if your art kind of goes viral you get the people that may not necessarily be into art originally being into it because of the fact that it's built on this technology so you know i kind of Quite, I find that quite inter interesting. Um, it's you're kind of built this blockchain, this technology is kind of the canvas for all these different things that we create. Um, and you can get these devs who previously may not have been interested in art or anything kind of in that scene, um, you know, drop what they're doing and start breeding cats just because of the fact that it's building on this technology that they're familiar with. Like I find that kind of cool. Like it's this new, this this new canvas that we can play around with, um, and this new canvas has these other people uh, who are interested in in it as well, um, the devs. Yeah, yeah. I feel like that that one of the probably most interesting stuff that I I'm really proud of CryptoKitties was actually like the amount of people that were actually introduced to blockchain through CryptoKitties. 
Because mm. before they might not be interested in like, I mean, they might have heard about Bitcoin or something here and there, but like CryptoKitty was actually the entry point for so many people to like learn about the technology as, as they play, as they, you know, they learn about uh, what is um, what is a gas fee, what is a digital wallet. And I think that was really kind of a, a really interesting achievement of CryptoKitties. Like through this like mechanic, we actually brought people to this technology or like to learn about the concepts and what was possible. And even like a lot of the early collectors and early uh, players of CryptoKitties, they, they actually ended up becoming quite influential in, in this industry, you know, opening their own companies or, you know, doing projects later on that were quite successful. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting to see how, how that project helped people to just connect and learn about this technology. Fun fact, one of our previous guests, uh, he told us that his first NFT was CryptoKitties. Oh, nice. <laughs> I didn't even know that. I'm friends with him, like uh, Nazca. Uh, I was friends with him for, for like almost a year now. I didn't even know his first NFT was CryptoKitties, but that was very cool. And I told him, oh, we're going to have an, another guest coming up from CryptoKitties. So he's going to be excited to hear about Whoa. this. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I want to connect with him after just to, to oh, hear yeah. more about like which which kitty he has or if he has a favorite. I love asking people if they have a favorite uh, favorite kitty. Oh, I was looking before. I like the dragon trait a lot, but I'll definitely connect him. He's also, as you said, like because they got in so early with crypto kitties, um, they are you know the some of the first ones in the NFT space, and he. He was since then he was um became like a collab collaborate uh, collab manager for different NFT projects. He's still very active now and he does a bit of consulting and he offers like uh trainings to traditional corporations um to onboard them to Web3 and stuff. So so I can see like what the rest of your community does because they are in so early. They're probably a lot of them are doing something amazing now. Very cool. You're talking about the onboarding. Um, that's something I'm quite interested in is the bridging between, you know, Web 2, Web 3. Uh, how do we kind of onboard these these people into this world that we kind of believe in in a lot of different ways? It's not all great. I think we touched on that in our chat a few weeks ago. Is, you know, Web 3 isn't a, a perfect environment. Um, but the, the role of art and NFTs in that onboarding process, how do you think about that? If a crypto kit, like a version of Crypto Kitties, was launched today, what do do you think it would still have? Like, do all NFT collections play that role, or um, was it mainly because it was one of the first ones? Like, how do we, um, you know, what role do NFT creators play or artists play in that onboarding? Um, that onboarding challenge, uh, like what things should they be thinking about, if that makes sense? Like, is it something that they should be thinking about or, or just kind of happens organically if you just, it just happens? You can't really plan for yeah, it. I, yeah, I feel like maybe I can think about two ways. Like maybe one is just doing different projects that might be appealing for different people. Um, might not everybody be love cats or cartoon cats <laughs> or <Crypto> doggies? Uh, <laughs> yeah, or just like yeah, the the what, what kind of experience you're providing with 
whatever you're building or if it's an art piece or you know can touch different audi audiences um but i feel like yeah the last we had to use the word nft the most interesting the project is for onboarding people right because then mm. you first delivering something that people want to participate or want to be involved regardless if it's blockchain if it's nft or not um so i think that's how i feel about like crypto kitties when i mentioned like people playing it in internal like it wasn't just a play test but people would still have fun playing it so i think if you're delivering a good experience uh, regardless if you're thinking about the technology people would like to you know um, be on board or like be used or be connected to whatever you're building um, if it's providing like a positive or you know fun or a good experience mm. Mm. so i guess in the early days when you you guys were spraying the word about crypto kitties you were more focused on just telling people hey this there's this game that you can play to make different sort of cats but you're not telling people hey this is this one of the first nft game blockchain game right yeah because like like today is a little bit easier when you say nft right but at the time when you say you say an nft yeah. it's like only the people very niche in the community would actually know what you're talking about uh so it's more like the process of like explaining why is that different like is that's just a website that you breed digital cats uh, uh mm-hmm. and then explain kind of the possibilities and like the why blockchain is different than like web 2 if you build that on web 2 um which even like personally for me it took a few months to actually like first understand why why it's so such a such an interesting concept um, to and then to be able to maybe learn a little bit how to better explain to people they're not familiar with, um, yeah. which I think even today I think we might struggle a little bit I think to communicate that. Hundred percent. I think. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so I want to talk about um, your project that you mentioned last time with the tulip. Um, can you share with our audience what this project is about? Um, I know it's a combination of your two main passions since childhood, which is science and art. And with this project kind of combining the two, can you share with us about this project and how is it going? What can we expect in the upcoming months? Um, yeah. Yeah, I'll, I'll, uh, I'm very excited to share it because, uh, you know, it's been progressing slowly, but progressing, which is very exciting. And as you mentioned, yeah, it's probably... Uh, I would say the first project that I'm really combining those two things that I love in life. So it's just being uh, a pleasure to actually like work on this thing. Um, but yeah, to give some, some context, I, I last year I participated in, in this uh, program from MIT media lab called how to grow almost anything. It's a wonderful, wonderful um, course to introduce people to synthetic biology. Um, I knew very little at the time, but I was quite curious to learn a little bit more about this new kind of a new field in biology. And and it's, it's a very interesting class in terms of like they really uh, motivate people like outside biology to participate on the class and then learn about this um, this field. Like we have a bunch of like architects, designers, artists, uh, engineers, uh, software developers, a little bit of everything on, the, on that class. And it was a hybrid class. So I have like the physical one and the people falling online. And by the end of it, there was like one semester, about like I think four months. 
And by the end of it, uh, everybody had to present a uh, final project idea. And I obviously like have been thinking a lot about blockchain the past few years and was trying to find an interesting project to combine what I have just learned about synthetic biology. And I was really, really interested about like how quite recently we can uh, encode the information into DNA um, in a much more like um, cheap way than it used to be quite, quite expensive to, to um, convert any small data into DNA. So I was looking in different ways to connect NFTs, blockchain, and synthetic biology. And then I, I stumbled upon like tulips a couple of years ago and how uh, interesting is like tulip as, as, I mean, as, as, as a flower, but also like how it have played different roles and have different interesting aspects in our uh, society. And then, uh, well, I, I, I mentioned the last time we chat, but the, the major thing was this um, event called the Tulip Mania um, that for those who are not familiar was during the 1700s in Netherlands, there was this frenzy about those broken tulips that have like a special pattern on it. And there was a lot of spare income on the wealthy um, class in the Dutch society at the time. And this frenzy became like quite out of control where people were paying more and more for those bulb tulips going like different auctions to a point that one bobo tulip was sold for the same price of a house in Amsterdam canals at the time, um, which is probably a couple million years of uh, today's money. And that term tulip mania became um, a jargon on finance where people describe different like financial bubbles. And obviously in the past two years or so, there's a lot of articles from different um, news outlets comparing uh, NFTs with tulip mania and doing that uh, parallel between those two uh, events of like the digital art and the the, the stuff that's been happening with NFTs in the past two years, so I I'm working in in a way to really connect those two. So the way the way I'm I'm, I'm working on this project is uh, making a collection of NFTs, and the way we're building those, they are like generative art animations or generative animation based on the tulip DNA. Um, I partnered with this company in the Netherlands that they were the first company to sequence the entire genome of a tulip. And I love to point that fact that in 2017 was the longest genome ever sequenced in human history. Uh, they had just kind of another company had diff, uh, recently developed in this new tool that made sequencing DNA much easier um, or a little faster. And they, they sequence this gigantic genome that actually like the tulip has like uh, the tulip genome is like 11 times bigger than the human genome, which is quite surprising and a mystery and just an interesting fact about, <laughs> about the cosmos, I guess. And so we're using this data to generate those animations and we're doing one um, animation that would be like the most special item in the collection. And we are putting that in a wallet and then we are picking the access to the wallet, converting into a synthetic DNA that you can do in the lab and then injecting back into a tulip. So we're actually connecting a living tulip to the NFT that's on the wallet. And, and we want to connect like the, the, the digital and the physical, the real tulip with the synthetic DNA, with the animation that's actually designed or generated by 
the data on the DNA of the tulip to make a little uh, cycle. So really like connecting the two, the two things to kind of generate this interesting dialogue about like tulip mania, um, NFTs, the, the, the synthetic biology that's like, it's, it's, it's quite amazing. And, and that's kind of the, the gist of the, of the project. Um, been working on it for over a year now and it's um, kind of the, la the last update I can give. We, we, we've been working on the data of the DNA, which it's been, I don't know if I mentioned last time with chat, but uh, I received this text file of 22 oh, yeah. gigabytes. It's <laughs> <laughs> uh, like, is this an error? <laughs> which which is crazy. funny how like, when they mentioned how big it was, it's like, yeah, it's big, but I don't really understand how big it is when you say like, you know, 11 billion base pairs. Like, I don't know what that means, but when you receive the file and yeah. it's like, oh, okay, I, we, I can feel it, how how gigantic it is. It translates into a, like in, in numbers that we can make sense of. Oh, gigabytes. Oh, it's 24. Oh, that's massive. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I understand that. Yeah. Wow. What's, that's What's the cool. file like? like? What file type is it? And when you open it, what what do you see? It's actually text like a, a dot. T yeah, it's a text file. The text X, uh, TXT. Yeah. And so, was okay. this a string of like num like numbers and letters? Yeah, it's uh, we converted a little bit from like the actual like ATGC from the DNA. So, and this one is just numbers okay. representing like pieces of the the nucleotide ATGC. Okay, so the, the DNA, that's C, G, A, and T. Are those the, the 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 makeup of the DNA? I'm just having it. I'm Googling it. I'm not a... <laughs> I see. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Cetocin, guanine, adenine, and thymine. Yeah. yeah I don't know what that everything means, you but... have. Yeah. I just like when you see those like images of the double helix of the DNA, you know, have those little things like the steps on the mm -hmm. stair. Yeah. Um, it's like those two things. So is it A and T or is it G, G and C? And they just like change orders. The, the, the fact that we can, you know, decode life uh, and kind of represent that in, you know, a text file is kind of mind blowing. But the fact that you can also code like edit code at like edit the the DNA as well is like even like next level crazy. It's hard to like um it's crazy. Obviously, you're creating a project where there's an interplay between the real and the and the digital, and there's some kind of connection there. Um, fast forward ten years, it'll be interesting to see what those sorts of <laughs> what things we can create, whether whether online is speaking to the the physical and you know what that means and from an artist perspective from a well, heaps of different perspectives it's kind of like mind-blowing uh, and a bit scary <laughs> if i'm being honest yeah yeah no when i was like on that class i feel like that's amazing but also like super scary like because as you mentioned like it's almost it almost feels like we're we're not meant to know all that stuff like our eyes cannot see like we look at your at your hand and you just see yeah. your skin right and then we like understand that it's like yeah and now we can yeah as you mentioned we can read the the code and we can also write the code now and i mean we don't fully understand how to write everything to for the machine to you know the bio, biological machine to 
work the way we want. Not for mm-hmm. everything yet, but I, I guess like eventually we'll have more and more control of like programming stuff for the cells to do whatever we want. One, one. I'm going to say something kind of a bit weird and probably out there, but it just came to mind, so I just want to quickly say it. One thing I was thinking about the last probably week was I, I grew up uh, religious, and then I'm um, like I kind of like went away from my faith, and I guess I was at the time considered myself an atheist. But with all these advancements in technology, I'm kind of like it's hard for me to be an atheist when, like, we're unpacking so much of what life is and we're seeing these different metaverses these different sorts of like uh games that can be created through you know humans and considering all our limitations even though we're really smart but we're limited but yet we can create these uh, experiences that seem to mimic like life in a lot of different ways makes me think you know are we in this, like the whole idea around a simulation doesn't seem so crazy after you look at all these sorts of things is what I'm kind of saying. Like all these different, um, it's hard to be atheists when you kind of look around, you're like, you know, we're getting so close at creating a universe just as these mere apes. Um, like it's not a stretch to think that <laughs> some game has created the, the thing that we're living in at the moment. Bit of a, from crypto kitties to the to uh religion but um when you're talking about this text file of this tulip kind of dna whatever you called it it just made me think about that um crazy yeah maybe maybe our gods are softy engineers yeah it could be (laughs) (laughs) it could be maybe maybe mark zuckerberg's gonna be a will be a god in the future I don't know if I'd want to live in that universe with, with all the ads everywhere, but makes you think. <laughs> yeah, I hope that that doesn't become true. Yeah. Anyway, sorry it about that true. detour. No, I, I recently saw a, a Black Mirror episode as well that talks about different layers of reality. And then the whole time that we thought, the, the main character is, is in the reality and then she's watching this uh, TV series being made by CGI using her life. But then <laughs> in the end, it finds out like she is actually the layer, layer two and there was a layer one. <laughs> 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 I, was, I saw this funny meme the other day. It was... Like imagine, so you look at at nighttime. You look at the sky. You see the stars. But the meme was like, imagine if they're not stars, but they're just holes in a container so that we can breathe. This is like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> it's got like Lion King with like the balls of gas. They're like, don't be crazy. They're not balls of gas. Anyways, um, I think that's pretty good for the podcast. I covered what I want to cover. Is there anything else you want to add, Blaine or uh, Gilda, you want to share with us? Maybe there's something that we don't know. Uh, I want to ask you guys stuff. Can I ask stuff? Mm-hmm. <laughs> of course. Yeah. Yeah. No I, mean, I think we talked we talk a little bit about like last time, but I, I was curious if there's any updates on what you guys are working or what, what you guys are 
yeah, just uh, oh, your thoughts okay. about the space and why you guys are interesting right now. So maybe on my side, so not a, not a lot of updates since the last time we spoke. Um, still working at Empower, um, kind of working on putting this podcast together together i think the the first episode we're hoping to go out this week um probably not a lot of updates since the last time what about you frank um i would say same projects but um, more progress i would say so um with uh i think last time when we talked i i haven't had um the group muse hive yet the group that we do exhibitions uh, we do art exhibitions focusing on digital art. So we uh, do mainly NFT art, but we're also inclusive of traditional artists where um, the event makes sense to include traditional artists because at the end of the day, we want to allow uh, leverage art and use it as a bridge to uh, allow Web3 people to come to Web3. And I think art is a great way to get them on board and at least exposed to what NFTs and blockchains are that is digestible. Um, and just more interesting than um, too much tech tech stuff and, and numbers. Um, so yeah, so we, we're hosting, we're planning right now two exhibitions in Bali, um, potentially three. And then we're also doing one in Tokyo in September, um, potentially helping one in Copenhagen in September. Um, yeah, just, and then next year in Bangkok. So I think... Um, that's going well. I already told Carmilla about it and um, the co-founder of NFT BC. She's one of our first guests. Uh, and I told her, you know, when we do these exhibitions around the world, I would like to involve artists from Vancouver um, and from the NFT BC community as well. So if uh, when opportunities come up and she'll probably let the community know as well. Because um, I mean, like, I met a lot of amazing artists in Vancouver. Um, yeah, it would be really cool to connect, you know, you guys to other cities and vice versa in the future. Maybe next year we'll do something in Canada that brings, you know, artists from Asia and other parts of Europe um, to there as well. So I think progress, um, still kind of early stage, but uh, the network that we're building here with um, people Web3 is also growing having more guests coming up. Um, and this is only, I think, like first phase of what we're trying to build is the podcast and doing content and bringing these contacts together. Um, and then afterwards is how do we use this network to help people in our community and in the network and help um, connect people. Mm. Um, yeah, So that's something for later this year or maybe even next year. Um, but for now, uh, thank you so much for um trusting us and you know one quick question sorry one quick question um sorry sorry we're, we're being organic um we, i don't know if we've got a lot of time but my background's in architecture and one thing i find is in that circle there's a lot of you know stigma around web3 blockchain nfts um is the same, do you find the same within the general creative scene where you are from? There's this um, kind of divide where, like in architecture, 
I hate see a lot of hate. <laughs> like one of my friends who's in the space, he's also an architect and he posted in a forum, one of his uh, generative uh, NFT collections. Um, and that forum was just like literally hating on, on my mate. And I'm just like. What are they hating on though? Well, they just think it's a massive scam, the whole thing. Um, so yeah, I was just curious within your, the, you know, the creative general creative industry that um, you're surrounded by is what's the sentiment um, around them and Web3, the more open to it or what do you find? Uh, like the industry that was like really close before like uh, working more on tech and, and, and startup world, like I work for a couple of years in like motion design industry. And it was interesting to see when that happened that that whole industry, like the majority of people were just super happy and interested about this what was That's going good. on. Uh, can I mean like even like people, you know, he was already like a name within the motion design community. Um, and so I feel like, and I feel because the more tangible, like they know the struggles of being like, you know, like a digital artist and like almost impossible to commercialize your work if you want to commercialize your work and have revenue from, whatever digital work you're doing, the only way is either to, you know, work for a company or doing freelance project and stuff. But like, if you do your own, you know, uh, authentic or exploration with like digital art, they, they experience that. They was like, oh, there's no way for me to, to get any revenue out of my art. I can do maybe prints or t-shirt or like, you know, tutorials or like different ways that digital artists would try to uh, generate some revenue out of it. But, I think for them it was quite clear. Like, you mm -hmm. know, they see that, oh, that's solving an issue for us. Like we can now commercialize and be part of like the traditional uh, art market. Yeah. But okay. yeah, I still feel like even on the art space, on the other like from like video production, like there's a lot of, I think most of the people are interested and curious, but there are always people that are just like, yo, that's complete bullshit. Uh, mm. which I mean I, I understand why they feel like that there's so much stuff happening in space I can't like carry mm. the flag of NFT you know like it's wonderful it's and everything it's amazing, pure. right like yeah yeah, yeah. okay I, think, yeah. I agree because I, I I am like one of those uh, where uh, Gilead just mentioned is artists um, who has problem in the traditional um, like prior to Web3 web to try to make a full time living as an artist so when you have such struggle and you don't really see other alternatives in changing that, then blockchain becomes very interesting because there's the potential of you making your art career a lot more sustainable and practical. So I think a lot of artists came in for that. Um, but I would also say like a lot of people who are hating on it are people who haven't spent, you know, the first 20 hours learning about what blockchain <laughs> is. They just read the headlines and... Um, and, you know, people who haven't done their own, put their own work in learning before, you know, having an, a really, really strong opinion. Um, I think that speaks more about those people than the actual subject. Um, yeah. And yeah, I think there's potential. Just... Also for architect, in terms of architect, I just feel like if you spend some time and learn about metaverse and blockchain NFTs, um, I feel like as for architects, there's so much, you know, creativity that you can now deploy on the blockchain and create, 
creating digital um, spaces where you could be like a hobby or a little side project or something where traditionally um, you can't because you're limited to the physics. And also for a lot of architects, you're working for you know the the main architects within your agency. You're only doing their work. You can't even have your own designs. Mm. So I see it as an opportunity to um, have an outlet for your architect creativity to put to, together something very nice and creative, and you own it and it's your own, just as art projects. But then then there's actual use cases as NFTs yeah. as many people. There are platforms where you can create these 3D models and then launching them as NFTs, selling them. Um, or letting other people use it in, you know, creating that metaverse for their their brand or their personal use. I mean, that's yeah. what I'm telling my architects. I would say if you are an architect and you're exploring the metaverse, which I say go for it, one thing I would recommend is to really consider the design as part of a completely different universe with different physics. One thing I see in a lot of these metaverses is you see a house with walls and a roof. You know, you have a wall to keep and the roof to keep out the weather. You need a wall to hold up a roof because there's gravity. These things don't exist in a metaverse. So we, you know, from that kind of, that's one little thing I look at it, I get a little bit, you know, annoyed at and like a very, you know, annoying, like I know I'm annoying uh, when I kind of bring these things up. But it's um, if you're going to design things in a metaverse and you are an architect in the real world, just kind of consider the physics of a metaverse and kind of design accordingly. Um, yeah, that's just one thing. Yeah, I feel that, yeah, there's so much opportunity for creativity, how to reimagine yeah. digital spaces. Uh, and I just wonder if like also like there's some like necessity to like ground a little bit on what we're used to, the same as like, the you know, the early... Uh, even today, we still use, you know, the trash can on the computer representing, you know, the, the files that you don't yeah, want and you're yeah, going to yeah. delete it. And those like, yeah, correlations with the, the real world. Um, but yeah, there's it. I, one thing that I noticed, yeah, how you move on, on, on those space sometimes, like, I don't want to just walk all the way there. It takes so much time. Can I just yeah, like, you know, have some other ways to move around? Yeah. Yeah. All those uh, are interesting. It's a great topic. Um we should find someone who who is in like the metaverse space or building digital spaces. That'd be cool. Because last time I remember NFTBC, um, Julia, I don't know if you remember, but there were panel talks and there were someone was mentioning about the reasons of why people are creating white walls for galleries in the metaverse or the digital world. Um, one potential reason is because it allows people who are so used to gaming or the digital world, the fantasy world, it gives them a sense of reality and separation saying, hey, this is um, not just another game. This is a bit more serious, sort of, a bit more um, intended as an art gallery, um, as you would compare to a real world exhibition. I don't know. So, so there's like, I think depending on the target market, that also mm -hmm. changes. I, I definitely see your point. And I think we need to find someone in the metaverse space. I would love to... that one. Yeah. Yeah, I would love to hear an episode that you guys may bring two people because I know I have heard that some architects are saying they're the best or the, I mean not the best but like the most qualified uh, professionals <laughs> to build the metaverse but then the game designers are being like yo we've been like you know like developing digital spaces for decades now so we are the most qualified yeah good idea yeah. thank you so much again
Julian, for joining us. Oh, thank you guys for, for inviting. Uh, it's, I mean, it was a, was a pleasure chatting on MTBC. Uh, it was quite a quick, but uh, I was really happy that we keep connected uh, after and we had that other chat the other day. It was really fun. And yeah, I was looking forward for today to, to have another chat with you guys. Um, and um, I'm curious to, yeah, keep uh, keep following what you guys, uh, what, what kind of people and all the new episodes you're going to bring on the, on the podcast. Uh, I'm really curious to, to follow that. Yeah, I'm glad we had a quick chat um, in the in person. Like this will have kind of why I really, really want to start this podcast because in the conferences and events in real life, you have like half a minute, five minutes with someone, um, but they have so much more to share. So doing this podcast allows us to like reconnect with some people that we met and say, hey, like let's sit down for half an hour, one hour to have a deep dive on what you're doing, get to know you, you know, how we can help. Um, just, I don't know, more, more building a support system, of, you know, and also just meeting friends. It's cool.